on this edition of the Iowa Business Report. And so we're immediately thinking about buying inputs, planting for the next spring, and the cycle just continues. A leading analyst discusses tax law and policy for family farm operations. Given the volatility of the economy and increasing inflation, what's an investor to do? And in our business profile, we'll reintroduce you to the developer of an app to help businesses with information that disappears in 24 hours. This is the Iowa Business Report for the fourth weekend of July 2022. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. Roger McOwen is among the nation's top analysts of ag law and tax policy. He earned his law degree from Drake after receiving an MS from Iowa State. He taught at ISU for more than a decade through the year 2015, during which time he founded and directed the ISU Center for Agricultural Law and Taxation. He is currently professor of ag law and taxation at Washburn University School of Law in Kansas, and he hosts the daily Ag Law and Tax Report on hundreds of radio stations across the country. I spoke with Roger McOwen in Waterloo last month. I use an example at some of my farm-level seminars, and I'll tell people that uh, you won't bat an eye or think twice of spending six to $8,000 for, say, a spreader tire, but will you spend that much money to protect your legacy? And often when I do that, uh, I'll see a farm wife jab her husband in the ribs and, <laughs> and, and, and shake her head yes, you know, nod her head, yeah, yeah, and the room drops silent when sure. I say that. But it, I think that really hits home. Uh, so where is your priority? Farmers, and you know this, uh, we finish harvesting. We're not thinking about dying. So just trying to lay the issues out there for attorneys. You know, How do you get your clients engaged in this? It's not only the sense that we're immortal or the sense of if I don't have a will, then I won't need a will, which of course is fallacy. Mm-hmm. But there's something about the spirit of people who are tied to the land, you really cannot conceive of doing anything else, and that includes retiring. And I imagine that is very difficult. You really need to think about this because the retort is probably going to be, why, what have you heard? Yeah. Well, let me give you an example. This was um, in April of this year, so just a few months ago. I had an individual that called me. He said, I, I need to do some planning. How do I get started? He was looking for some helps at how to, in getting started. And so I have some things that I give people to fill out. You know, take this, fill this out, and then, you know, take that to your attorney. And that will really help your attorney get you engaged in the process. So it, may, it forces them to list out their assets, list, you know, write down what your goals and what your objectives are and sure. where you want things to go. And in the course of our conversation, about 20 minutes into the conversation, I just happened to ask him, well, how old are you? He said, I'm 97. You're still farming? Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll run the planter this spring. And how old is your son to whom you want to pass this ground? Oh, he's 75. I don't get that call very often, but... But it's there. That's he, the point. It is still it, out it there. It is still there. It's a problem. It's an issue that's out there. But part of the planning, to me, especially with the family farm business, but I talk to a lot of people involved in family businesses, and there may be one or mm-hmm. two of the children generation who want to be a mm-hmm. part of the ongoing business and the others do not. 
well, how do you make it equitable, which is very different than equal? Yeah. That's, again, potentially a difficult conversation that the individual who has to make those decisions might just as soon put off for another day. And that you've hit on something I tell people that you don't start there in terms of trying to figure out what's fair because you will never get started. If if you're going to put that right in front to start with, saying, well, what do I, I need to be fair to my kids, you're never going to get started. The other thing I tell people on this, if we flip it around, do not, do not, I'll say it again, do not leave your farm ground in co-equal, undivided interest to all of your children, one of whom wants to farm and three who don't. Because some of the others are probably going to want to cash out. They view that land as a dead, so-called dead asset to them. They want cash flow from that, and they may file a partition action, which they have the right to do so as an undivided co-owner. Don't do that. And so to, to really answer your question, what we really need to do in that situation is think about the use of entities so that we're not transferring land, we're transferring stock in a corporation, we're transferring interest in a partnership, and a good buy-sell agreement. A good buy-sell agreement is, is a great instrument uh, along with a well-drafted will or a trust. In many instances, when you're moving a business from in a farming operation as a business from yes. one generation to the next, you need to have the will slash trust, you need to have a buy-sell agreement and probably some entities so that we're moving interests in those entities rather than the assets themselves. Which, if we were talking about a manufacturing plant, no one would think any differently. Mm -hmm. But because we're talking about the family that grew up at the site of the business, the Thanksgiving dinners over the table, et cetera, and the dream of passing it on, because chances are the individual who wants to pass it on received it once or twice removed already— It's just a very different dynamic. It's much easier for me to sell you something as a disinterested party as opposed to a child or a sibling or whatever. Right, right. It's, you know, it's where we grew up. It's what we know. We want to keep it in the family. Um, That's the way our our place back is in in Indiana. So, yeah, that is the real issue. What do we do to keep it in the family? And you can throw another twist in there. What happens if you need long-term health care? Am I going to have to sell the farm to come up with the funds to pay a long-term health care bill? Well, that needs to be incorporated in our planning. Uh, It's important for farmers and ranchers to remember that their practitioners, those that are helping them, their tax people, their, their financial people, the attorneys, we don't have crystal balls that we can set in the middle of the conference table and rub and get a clear picture of, of what your future is going to be like. So planning is not a perfect science. What is perfect is that if you do nothing, uh, is that it will most likely end up in a mess and some judge will determine your estate plan rather than you will. So it behooves you to do something uh, and then don't let it sit there and become cold because, unfortunately, those that um, uh, live in Washington, D.C. and write the rules tend to change the rules all the time, and that modifies or should modify what we do uh, for clients to keep that land in the family. I'm detecting a bit of a trend, and maybe it's just around the people I talk to, that as the more senior generation is looking to make plans, Mm-hmm. And they may wait until they're 70 years old, but still they're going to make plans. They're setting up the legal entity that then can succeed through additional generations mm-hmm. so that those who are in their 40s or 50s may wind up taking operative control of an entity with a good organization. Mm-hmm. 
And even if they don't, those are the ones who, again, have seen what's happened to others. They're more likely to get it. So Mm -hmm. my sense is that once you get past that initial resistance of setting up some sort of an entity, people then just kind of line up. And the next generation may be much more appropriately situated, let's say, than the current generation looking to retire. Yeah, I think that's right. And and there are, uh, my experience has been in 30 years of doing this in in private practice also, is that there are some families where that works well. There are some families where it it just simply will not work because of the personalities involved. And I think that's a small subset of our farmers and ranchers, but it's out there. They just simply, this is not going to work no matter what you do. I don't want to run out of time before I ask you about this record number of farm sales. I mean, every time I turn around, I see a number and I think to myself, there is no possible way they're going to make that work. I think, Jeff, what's driving some of that, especially last year and going into this year, is all the uncertainty that Congress has given us. You know, they talked a lot last year about changing the income tax basis rule, dropping the exemption from federal estate tax from over $12 million down to five. That, you know, people hear that, and no matter what we tell them as practitioners is the the likelihood of that not happening. They're the ones that have the asset. They're the ones that have to make the decision, and that has pushed some to say, okay, maybe there's not been a better time for me to go ahead and cash this in and sell it. So I think that is part of the robustness of the market right now that's driving that, is that uncertainty in Congress. And we still have uh, the current law. At the end of 2025, the federal exemption from a state tax drops back down to an inflation-adjusted $5 million, so it'll probably be in the $7 million level. That's in the law right now if Congress does nothing. And so we're three and a half years away from that changing unless they change it before then. So the uncertainty in Congress, the uncertainty in the economy, it's made some people to go ahead and make decisions now, and I think that's part of what's happening. Washburn University law professor Roger McCohen on Twitter at Washburn W-A-L-T-R. Still to come, the impact of inflation on investing and an app with disappearing information. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. This is Michael Swanger, owner of Iowa History Journal. Are you tired of the same old news? Then pick up the July-August issue of Iowa History Journal to discover new, uplifting stories about the father of space science, James Van Allen, TV's The House with the Magic Window, Sioux City's World War II base, and our exclusive series about the history of Iowa radio, Making Waves. Get your copy of Iowa History Journal at Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Hy-Vee, Fairway, and iowahistoryjournal.com. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, leading successful business, innovation, growth, and transitions. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook and get more at AdvanceIowa.com. The market is volatile. Inflation tops 9%. So I asked financial journalist Jordan Goodman if you should change your investment strategy. Very much so. Yeah, you want to be buying producers of commodities and not buying the consumers of commodities because consumers get hurt and prices go up and it makes it more difficult for them, but the producers do better. A simple example would be the oil companies. Oil stocks have gone up a lot and oil earnings have gone up a lot. and As prices go up, producers do really well, whereas consumers of energy, uh, airlines would be an example, 
uh, or cruise ships get hurt. So that's across the board. It's not only energy, but it's soybeans and aluminum and lumber and just all the commodities that have gone up so sharply. Now, they have come down in the last month or so. I mean, it's not as though they're just straight up. It had been straight up, but now it's been coming back down again. But as an investor, in general, the winners are producers and the losers are consumers of commodities. Coming up, an app that gives you real-time information about business offerings. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The year was 1972. Gas cost 36 cents a gallon. A postage stamp was 8 cents. Bob Ray was Iowa's governor. And Camp Courageous was founded. For a half century, Camp Courageous near Monticello, Iowa, has served individuals with special needs. And it does it without government support. Learn more by going to campcourageous.org. This message paid for by the Friends of Camp Courageous. Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and review their latest quarterly member survey by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. In March of last year, we first told you about the DEETS app. It's an app originally inspired by business shutdowns during the pandemic that is now looking forward to a long-term business plan. The DEETS app helps a user find ways to do things, including offerings by businesses in select communities. They've now expanded offerings right down to sharing what music is being played in a club at that very moment. Deets is short for details, and we get the details on Deets from its CEO and founder, Raghul Etherag. We saw a lot of these businesses were shutting down or going out of business, and we saw that like information was changing every single day. Some were open for curbside, some were closed, some were open for dine-in, and there was not a good way to uh, get that message to the residents who wanted to support local. So we built an app where everything expires in 24 hours, so when people get on the app, they're confident what they're seeing is what's happening around town. So this way, they don't have to think, hey, is this place open or not? When they see it on the app, they can go support local right away. So we made that very frictionless for a consumer. And then since then, derecho hit. And that's when, again, an app like Deets played a front and center role in Cedar Rapids because people were using the Deets app to mark what parts of the town had you know, fallen trees, where were the medical stations, charging stations, food stations. So the app, again, evolved to be a one-stop community resource tool. And now that we're coming out of COVID, the problem still exists, right? Where there are a lot of vibrancy in your community, but it's hard for you to stay on top of what's today's daily special, what are the live events happening? Or, you know, if it's a Saturday morning and you're like, I want to take some art classes, you don't know who's got the opening. So long after COVID is there, we're still feeling the need of connecting people with the city that they live in. We are really excited that the state of Iowa is investing in us through the Iowa Economic Development Authority. So our goal with this funding is to bring DEETS and the magic that we're doing out of Cedar Rapids to all across the great state of Iowa. In fact, recently we launched in Decorah and our goal is to launch in Waterloo pretty soon with this funding. And it's not just about funding uh, or launching. We are taking this money and like investing in a lot of these local businesses. So when we do launch, 
we buy tons of gift cards to local businesses or get people excited about local business. So this funding will really help, you know, be a catalyst for that. Right now, our model is to uh, take technology to small to mid-sized cities because that's where the, all the big players really like don't even think about these towns because they all want to go to Chicago's and New York's. And, but people in these towns, they try to make the best out of what they have, right? Like they try to use Facebook pages, Facebook groups, but those get noisy really quickly. And honestly, no one has the time to follow 200 Facebook pages and the algorithm suppresses 95% of the content. So our solution is built ground up as a platform that's meant for residents and the local community. And, you know, it's not, it's not like Facebook where it's meant for following up with your high school friends or influencers on Instagram. So that's where we fundamentally differ. And the, the most unique part is, again, everything expires in 24 hours, which is so unique to Deeds that no other platform has. As you go support local, you earn points that you can unlock perks to further support local. So in Cedar Rapids, if you have five points, that gets you a free margarita at a local place that really upgrades your dining experience. So we reinforce that, hey, here's something cool. As you go try something local, you earn points, and then you further unlock perks that makes you fall in love with your community and businesses. We have close to uh, 10 communities in the backlog right now, and we're hiring to uh, meet that demand. But uh, coming shortly, we'll be launching in Mount Vernon and Lisbon. And right after that, we are launching in Altoona on further expanding that side. And the rest are, uh, we're still in the negotiation phase of like, what does launch look like for them? But in the immediate future, these two communities and also Waterloo in the coming months. Right now, the cities uh, partner with us to bring deeds, uh, both free for the businesses and the residents. You know, that's how we bootstrap launching in a new community. The exciting part is Deets is not a deal sap. So if businesses don't have to like conjure up deals or promotions that they normally wouldn't do, right? Like this is not a Groupon. This is a place where you can find what's unique about your community. So when people see that, hey, there's a lobster tail burger at a local place, that's all it takes for them to go support local. So that's our biggest value proposition we bring to businesses is make it so easy for them to broadcast to the entire community on what they're doing that day. What's unique? Did you have a new inventory? Are you having a new menu release? Just about anything. And uh, businesses do find that, find that very valuable. And uh, our pricing model is so, how do I say, very friendly that cities are like, this is a no-brainer price for us to bring it to our community because you know, it also promotes a big tourism component. Because folks in Cedar Rapids can now peek into the Cedar Valley community and be like, wow, a lot of things are happening. Let me make a day trip. Let me make a weekend trip. So that's the more collective, uh, larger value proposition we bring. The derecho was a you know, surprise for us too, but you know, the app was built on a 24-hour time period. So when the derecho at the app naturally evolved to be this community resource app, because people can also drop pins on our map. So in a way, we didn't have to do much. It's more of the community came together and they were like, hey, I'm here with the charging station or I'm, I'm here doing food delivery. Just hit me up. We didn't have to do much to make the app transition. All we had to do was give people the tools. So we just gave them specific pins like, hey, here, use this pin to mark fallen trees. Use this pin to say it's a first aid station. And then they just took that tool and you know, they helped each other out, which is what we were really excited because there, in this derecho, one thing the state of Iowa noticed or Cedar Rapids was there's not a good way to, again, relay information in a real-time fashion from people who have information to people who really need it. And the power cuts, all of that just really put a wedge in that.
And then Beats came in and we made it simpler. So in Cedar Rapids, we have over 5,000 active users. And our goal is, you know, we are growing 20% roughly week over week. The exciting metric here, Tim, is for every 100 users we have on the app, these users generate $1,500 in weekly revenue to local businesses. So in Cedar Rapids alone, we generate anywhere between eight to $10,000 in local revenue for the small business, which is where we really shine well, right? Like, because when people get on Deeds, they're looking for local information. Unlike Facebook ads, you're just like trying to scroll mindlessly and then you get a random ad, you know, like it doesn't even do much. So that's our biggest metric that we're proud of. People are already using the Deeds app to discover all the places that have patios open. And as summer gets in, uh, we'll be having information on all the splash pads that are open so parents can take their kids out there. And along the summer, too, we see there's an uptick on sidewalk sales and garage sales. So that's something the app will be like your one-stop solution for. So during the summer, you know, we'll have trails that are open, trails that are packed. Again, this is real-time information, so you will know how packed a park is before you even pull up there. And we are looking to cater into all those needs uh, over summer. And it'll be a great time to launch, you know, into more vibrant communities as people are looking to do more things. We are excited to keep growing and uh, love all the support people are giving us. Raghul Etherog, founder and CEO of the Deets app. Learn more online at deetsapp.com. And Deets is spelled D-E-E-T-Z. Thanks to Tim Harwood of Iowa Business Report affiliate KXEL for sharing that conversation. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. We're also found on all the major podcast distributors, 19 now in all. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, leading successful business, innovation, growth, and transitions. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook and get more at AdvanceIowa.com. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.